Mac Power Users, episode 731, Tears Rolled Down My Light Seal. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello from the future. Yes, yes. Are you in the future right now? Are you in the future space? I'm in the present with you. Okay. All right. I, I imagine you putting your 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 headphone on your uh, your Apple Vision Pro, just going completely into the matrix for mm. this. But uh, I'm glad you didn't. I need you here. Yeah. But we are the Mac Power Users, and we like to talk about Apple technology and how to get the most out of it. And today we have a very special episode. We're going to be talking about a new platform from Apple that we have finally got our hands on. Yes, today is the Vision Pro episode of the Mac Power Users. So. Buckle in, gang. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, before that, I just wanted to thank everyone who was sending me notes asking how I'm doing. Uh, Southern California did have a, a pretty big rainstorm, but fortunately, it wasn't particularly bad where I live. Um, literally minutes before we hit the record button, all of my devices went off with a flash flood warning. So, you know, there's a there's a, a question right now as to whether halfway through the show my house will wash away. But I feel like I'm I'm probably okay. But you know that is out there. I just wanted to say that. Um, and I know some people in California had it really bad, but we we've generally been okay. Although this warning does make me concerned a little. I don't know. Just uh, keep an eye on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep the I'll keep my eye out the window. You know, see what happens. If my car like like goes by the window, I'll know that's a problem <laughs> because there's nobody in my car. Um, yeah, uh, uh, today on More Power Users, we're going to continue the theme of spatial computing. We're going to talk about where we see it going in the future. More Power Users is the ad-free um, extended version of the show. We'd love to have you join that. If you like, you can do that over at relay.fm slash MPU. All right, Stephen, uh, we both uh, purchased them online, but we both elected to do an in-store pickup. I guess we should talk about that. I mean, why did you decide to do an in-store pickup and not just have it shipped to you? A couple of reasons. Uh, the, the first is that I'm at the end. This is the selfish reason. I'm at the end of my UPS guy's route. Like UPS stuff doesn't get to me until after dark most days. And you want to get it early in the day, right? And yeah, I'm halfway to the Apple store with school pickup and drop off. So it's like, I ah, might as well just go out there. But the serious reason was twofold. One, I wanted to make sure the fit with the light seal and the light seal cushion, that all that was right. Because I, like everybody else, just did the sort of face ID thing in the Apple Store app. And from having so many friends who got to have gotten to try them in the past few months, I knew that that was important to get right. Turns out the Apple Store app was spot on for me. I had no nothing to adjust. But I also wanted to go through the demo. I had not... I've not used this device before. I was not fortunate enough to have a, a demo from Apple PR at any point. And so I wanted to go through the demo to really see what it could do because I knew that Apple was going to kind of show the best, most impactful stuff in that in-store demo. And uh, they did. And so I, I kind of wanted that that whole experience. Look, generally, I sort of shy away from the Apple Store. Like, I'll do in-store pickup for iPhones kind of for the same reason to have them first thing in the morning because, you know, it's kind of a race to get get stuff out. But, like, when I bought my MacBook Pro, whatever, yeah, just, like, ship it to my house, it's fine. You know, there's not a, a big rush on that. But this one, it felt important to be to be in the store. 
You know that that feeling when you're waiting for a delivery from like UPS or FedEx and you're anxious that you're going to miss it or like you'll be in the backyard pulling weeds when the guy knocks on the door. I feel like there should be like a word for that, right? I don't mm. I don't know what it is, but there should be a word. And the Germans probably already have a word for it. They have That's a true. word for everything. But the <laughs> um but I think there really should be. But yeah, I get it. Um like you, I my concern was the the prescription lenses and the light seal, and so I that's the reason I wanted to go into the store uh, to do that is to yeah you know get in there and just kind of make sure it fit. And uh, I, I was very confused about the the lenses. In fact, we can talk about that more in a minute. Um, but we went to the store; they were waiting for us, and uh, they've got a new uh, like kind of living room area in the Apple Store with little couches that you get to sit on. Uh, it's kind of funny how the way they've made. You can tell they put a bunch of effort into this. They've got a oh, perfectly yeah. sized uh, Vision Pro table that sits between you and the Apple employee, so you know there's no contact there. And uh, they uh, they bring out the uh, the Vision Pro once you get there, and they set it on the little table like it's like the beginning of the Lion King when they're holding a baby Simba. The way they carry it out, and you know, <laughs> then you're off to the races. Yeah, our friend Michael Stieber in his uh, Tabletops newsletter wrote a great piece about this being sort of Apple retail at its finest. Now, mine didn't have like the cool living room thing like I've seen other pictures, but they did have tables set aside for it. And uh, there was, I think it was with the original iPad. I'm just going to say that it was. Apple made a comment on stage about like, this is why we built retail stores. Like, so people could come in and experience these products. And, you know, most of the time the store is just a store, right? You go get service, you're picking up a case, whatever. But there are these moments, right? There are these moments in time where sort of the promise of retail like springs to life. And that's sort of the moment we're in, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and um, and the, uh, particularly with a product like this, I feel like this makes a lot of sense to to go the extra effort and do all this stuff. That said, my my store experience was not ideal. What uh, what happened? Because mine really wasn't. Mine felt a little disorganized. Um, uh, tell me about yours, though. Well, it was just it was just a little weird. I sat down, and they're like, "Okay, well, we're going to scan your face again." And then that led to a very hushed discussion between the employee and the manager. And, and they kept looking at me and then looking at their devices and looking at me. And I'm thinking, well, damn, did they like sell mine to somebody else or something? <laughs> I don't know, you know? And they were, and finally I said, what's going on? They're like, oh, well, your scan here is different than the scan you did at home. Hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I wish they would have just told me rather than leave me in the dark. It was like three or four minutes. I was just sitting there watching them talk to each other about yeah. me. It's like the doctor, like having a hushed conversation outside the, yes. the room. Yeah. It's like, no, I really, yeah. I really want to hear what you're saying. I really need to know. Yeah. 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 I, I had that once when I, I had a, a medical thing and had to go see a, a, um, an expert, you know, and the expert spent a bunch of time on me and then figured out what it was. And then he says to me, man, that could have been really bad. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? What are you saying that to me for? <laughs> but the, uh, but either way, uh, moving on. Uh, so the, so yeah, it was a weird thing with that. Right. And, and the whole time I'm like, you know, my wife was there and I'm like, well, she, I think we want to get a light seal for her too, because 
I watched all the reviews with Daisy in the room and she's like, Oh, I want, I want to be able to wear it and watch Disney movies in that theater. I mean, she is a unitasker with this device. She wants to look at pictures and, and, and Disney movies. I said, so I said, we need to get her one. And they're like, well, she needs to sign up for a, a demo for us to size her. And I'm thinking she's sitting right here. You got the app, just size her face. You know, they're like, no, no, we can't do that. You got to sign up for your own demo. And I was thinking, man, I'm spending like all this money and you can't just like scan her face for me. And, uh, and they were insistent on it, you know? So she went away and signed up for a demo in a couple hours. And, and I just thought that was, that was unusual for me. Yeah. We had some of that. So I took Mary with me and so I did my pickup. I got there. They said, do you want a demo? I said, yes, I should say my Apple store is small. It's in a small market. It's how it's always been. And my Apple store is basically dead. There were like a couple other people there and they were open early, right? It was only vision pro people there. In fact, someone came in trying to get yeah. their iPhone fixed and they're like, no, no, like the genius thing opens in a couple hours. So I signed up for uh, the demo, signed Mary up for a demo. Mine just felt a little, I mean, I was one of the first people there. It's on launch day. I understand all that, but it was a little disorganized. Like, okay, like, come sit over here. And then it was like 10 minutes before the guy came over. Like, oh, we're going to do your demo now. I was like, you're the only one here. Like, what are you even doing? I'm sure that gets better with time. You know, I, I get it first day. Uh, I'm not, not, I'm not counting too many points off for that, but. Um, yeah. They're figuring it out. They're figuring it out. That's right. But I, yeah. I do think, I really think if this product in particular, if you have an Apple store near you or you're going to be traveling and there's an Apple store where you're traveling, take some time out. Even if you're not interested in buying one, Doing the demo really shows you what this thing can do visually and and with audio. And it's not the full range of experience. I mean, look how much time is left on this podcast. Like, we got a lot of experience to talk about. But it gives you a taste of what it can do. I think the demo is is really critical. And if you're going to order one, if you haven't yet, if you can swing an in-store pickup, I do think it's worthwhile um, in case, you know, in case you do have to make a change. Yeah, agreed. And and what I would add to that is if you decide to do the demo but you're not interested in buying one, leave your credit card at home. Uh, <laughs> I've I've heard from several labs members that went in just to do the demo academically and left with one. So Yeah, that happened to me with the iPad. I, I was like, I'm going to go look at it and then uh you know, and it was I think 4.99 and that was Yeah. I mean, this was I mean, don't get me wrong. Vision Pro a painful moment putting my card in the Apple website, but yeah. 14 years ago, buying an iPad, I should not have done it, but, uh, I did. And then had to ask forgiveness when I got home. Yeah. Well, th- this is, um, this thing is, is very compelling, especially through the demo. So I think that that's a risk, you know, yeah. if you're, if you go check it out, but that being said, everybody that's listening to this, that's near a U.S. Apple store should go because it's the next thing, you know, and we're going to talk about that later, but this is where Apple's aiming. So you might as well at least just get a peek at it if you're mm-hmm. not going to buy one. Um, and just to finish the loop on the Daisy thing. Um, so she did get an, uh, a demo two hours later, which to me was an interesting data point that you could get a demo in two hours, right? I, you know, I would expect it to be full for days. You know, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know how popular this thing is. Or the, the other data point is that a labs member was able to go in without a pre-order and buy one. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, so... I do think that, you know, this is not selling like hotcakes and, and at that price point, of course it wouldn't, but that those are both interesting data points. But I, I talked to the manager and I just said, 
And I did, I wasn't a jerk about it. You know, we talked about this on the Apple care. I just said, Hey, you know, they, they made us make one in a couple hours, but you know, we've got to go. We were supposed to go meet my daughter. I said, is there any way you could just measure her right now? And he says, sure. And he just measured her. It just took a minute, you know? And then he's like, Oh, we don't even have that one in stock, but just try when you get home, have her use yours. You, you may find that it's fine. And he was right. She got home and it's weird because her face, I mean, my wife is Filipino. Her face is shaped differently from mine. I didn't think that it would fit her well and it's fine. We don't need to buy another one. It, it just mm-hmm. works fine. It's, you know, so whatever. Um, so we got one and, and that, that little thing aside, um, let's talk about the in-store demo. So it's about, it's about half an hour, 25, 30 minutes. You're with an Apple store employee and it was just, um, so I did, I did mine across the table from Mary. So we each had our own Apple store employee. Mine was super nice young guy. He has an iPad mini so they can see what you see. Um, I did find it interesting though. Mine started a couple minutes before Mary's. And so I was done. And then I got to just watch her kind of finish hers. And I noticed the Apple store employee was like pointing to the iPad while she was like fully immersed. Like it's, there's something weird about this. Where it's like, oh, I want to point to something, but I know you can't see it because only I can see it. It's like a whole thing we have to yeah. wrap our minds around. They scanned my glasses. They had this machine here. I mean, I'm sure it's just like what's in a a doctor's office. Scanned my glasses, um, and they they had Zeiss lenses. Uh, they have a whole, apparently a whole bunch of them in stock just for the demos. I had to buy lenses, and they shipped to my house. They got there that night, um, so I got to try it with exactly how mine was going to be my light shield, my cushion size, all of that with my lenses. And the last thing I'll say here is, okay, it's been the number one fear I've had since June. And the thing I've been asked most about, I've had no motion sickness in this headset. That is not true of other headsets I have tried. And I like, I can't ride in the backseat of a car. Like, David, if you like picked me and Mary up at the airport, I would have to sit up front with you because like I cannot do the back of the car. I've had no motion sickness with this. And some of the demo stuff, like the demo is kind of like a sizzle reel, right? Like it's like maximum 3D, maximum movement, like trying to really show you what it can do. Um, And at no point then or since have I had had issues with that, which I'm I'm very glad for. I was I was honestly worried about it. I know they said like. 12 milliseconds of latency. That's the whole reason the R2 is in there. Uh, it's the real-time processing. Uh, and it's been, all that work has paid off for me. So I'm thankful that, that work was done by Apple. Yeah. So you covered a couple of things I want to kind of work back through. And the first is the motion sickness thing. Uh, I think of all the people I know, you are one of the worst people for motion sickness. Like just, you know, being your friend and, and hearing some of the things you've, you've like, you couldn't do because of motion sickness. Like yeah. I, I want to bring you to Disneyland, but I have like a whole separate plan for you because <laughs> I can't take you on certain rides. I know I don't want it. I don't want you to be miserable, but the, um, but so that's good to hear, but we did a, a meetup in the labs um, just yesterday as we record the show. And there were like about 10 people there that had them and, and I asked at one point, is anybody that have them have any motion sickness issue? And nobody did. And I think that's going to be a fairly common experience because it really is designed around that 12 milliseconds. And the thing that gets you sick, as I understand it, is when your motion doesn't match what your eyes see. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, this is like, it reminds me of the original iPhone, you know, when the iPhone came out and you would scroll in Safari, the governing principle was always scroll. Even if you don't have time to render what they can see, it used to do like a little checkerboard grid. Uh, if you got beyond the cache, you know, and, but it would still scroll. And when you stopped, it would update wherever you had scrolled to. I feel like, you know, in that case, that scroll was more important than the update. I feel like in the vision pro, the 12 milliseconds is more important than anything else. Like even if it means it's going to be grainy and ugly or whatever, don't ever, you know, slow down the refresh rate. Um, this is just my, my general impression. Cause I, I haven't heard of anybody that got sick from using these things yet. Yeah. It's, I think that was really important to Apple. I mean, there, there are so many factors in a device like this that can lead to it. Uh, you mentioned the the most important one of your eyes and your inner ear, which senses motion, that those things don't line up. Um, another component of it can be uh, what you see and what you hear is slightly different. And we will get to the audio of this device, but like, everything is so well done. I would imagine in the ranking of importance at Apple as they're, as they're engineering this thing over the last decade or however long it's been, I'm sure motion sensitivity was was the top of that whiteboard because they've absolutely gotten it right. Yeah, and, and since buying it, I've now used it, I don't know, probably 20 hours, and I've still not had any sense of motion sickness or anything. Even like, I guess just to kind of continue on that thread, eye strain is another one uh, people ask me about. I don't feel any eye strain. I don't feel any more eye strain than I would staring at a monitor for, for several hours. I mean... Mm-hmm. The whole thing to me, uh, physiologically, is is solid. It, there's just I don't seem to have any problem. And again, I asked that question in the lab. Same thing. Nobody had any particular problem with eye strain. Good. Now the lenses is interesting to me because it was very confusing to me going in what I whether or not I needed lenses. So they they sell reader lenses. So my current condition with my eyes is I can see twenty twenty at a distance. But I need readers to to read a book. Like if you put an iPhone in front of me without reading glasses, I can't read it. So I, it was curious to me because it, as I understood it, the focus range was like two meters. And that seems like, well, um, you know, I see fine at two meters. But then but then the lint, the actual screen is, you know, super close to my face, so close to my face that there's no way I could focus on it. You know, yeah. none, nobody yeah. could, right? So do I need readers or what? So I ordered it with the readers that match my reader prescription and they had it set up in the store that way. And when I got it home, just out of curiosity, I took the lenses out um, and looked at it without the lenses and the text was a little fuzzy, but I, it was totally readable. Um, but it was no, you know, it, was, it wasn't as hard to read as, as an iPhone would be without reading glasses. So I don't know what the story is. The background for me on that thing is generally a little out of focus. Like not the the apps and the text, everything is super sharp. But just like when you have the pass-through mode, I've got like, you know, I've got some stuff against the wall in the studio. If I look at that stuff, it's a little out of focus. And I don't know that if that's because I'm essentially looking through reading glasses at a distance. I, I honestly still don't understand it. But hmm. uh, I do think it's slightly sharper for me to where the reading inserts. So I'm doing that. Yeah. And, and the inserts are really cool. I mean, they're just magnetic and the, the, I was gonna say the eye holes, but that's a terrible phrase. Yeah. 
uh, the screens. Yeah, thing? the they're not symmetrical. It's like you can't mess it up. They were super easy to install, yeah. and then it comes with a little QR code, and you you match up. So it the Vision Pro unit knows what lenses are in it. Um, all that's really really cool and it the lenses were super easy to order i had a valid prescription i know you had to update yours you were sending me a picture from the from the eye doctor like the day before pre-orders open yeah i but i didn't use it you know i needed an updated prescription anyway but then i just decided you know if this is really just for reading vision i'm i'm just gonna get a pair of readers yeah. so i but they yeah i think you know definitely go in with your glasses and let them scan them but like, I really, I guess, need a progressive a bit. I don't know. It's confusing. But the long and the short of it, if you just use reading glasses, just get the reading inserts. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you do need them, apparently. You do need them. You mentioned Daisy's use of this. Um, I do want to talk just, just, I just want to touch on Mary's experience because she, uh, I mean, she obviously knows what I do for a living, but she doesn't follow it, right? She knew this was out because I, you know, I told her and- yeah when I scheduled my pickup, I scheduled it at a time where we could both be there. And I thought, I, I really want you to experience this. I'd like to hear what you have to think about it. And her takeaway was the technology is amazing. And she really viewed it as a way to like connect people. And there's, um, I linked to it on a uh, Tuesday on five, 12 pixels, but uh, Cleo Abram did a video about, about that. Like, is this a device that we can use to uh, connect with others in, in new ways? And she was super interested in that, but she also, I think, is really struggling with the it covers your eyes, and that's like weird socially and kind of, uh, kind of troubling socially. And that was just interesting uh, to to me to hear her her insight because I think a lot of people will feel that way. I think a lot of people who just do the demo because they're interested in it will think it's incredible, but kind of wonder where it fits. And I, I think that's I think that's fair, but. Um, I was I was glad that she was a good sport about it. Yeah, no, and I've been thinking the same thing about it, but I want to talk about that more as we get through using the product. But I I have definite thoughts about where this fits for me. And it's not, you know, all of the use cases that Apple has come up with. You know, it, it is certain ones, but not all of them. And and so Daisy did not do the in-store demo. You know, she was gonna have to wait several hours and we had things going on. But when we got home, I set up a demo for her. Is this a good time to talk about demo mode? Why not, right? Yeah. You can share a guest mode to share with somebody. You can set the permissions as to what apps they can see. And I gave her full access, which was a mistake, because she got confused. There was so much stuff in there. I'm, you know, the next time I did it, I I set it up where give her the Disney app, give her the photos app, the stuff she actually wanted to do. You know, I just kept it simple for her. And you can mirror it at home, so you can also give them, kind of coach them through it. But um, I think it's really nice. You do have to go through and connect the dots. You know, when you when you turn it on, it does a retina tracking, and you have to, like, calibrate it. In guest mode, every time she puts it on, she has to do it again, whereas I only had to do it once. It remembers it for me as the owner. Funny story about that. I heard from a friend at an Apple store, and um, somebody came in to demo it, but they were drunk, and they couldn't do it because <laughs> – their eyes couldn't focus on the dots and the vision pro is like, I'm sorry, I can't understand you. Yeah. <laughs> another, uh, another, makes sense. another interesting point. Uh, a labs member has a wrote in about a family member who has uh, one bad eye 
And I didn't realize it, but we looked into it. And you can tell it just to track the right or the left eye. So that's that's interesting, too. Yeah, there's a lot of accessibility stuff. Um, I, got, I got some more to say about that in a little while. But yeah, it is, it is uh, a unique Apple product in every way. And I think from yeah. ordering it on up, it is is a, a new a new beast. Um, but maybe we get to that that setup next. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by One Password, the password manager that I use at home and at work and everywhere in between. One of the reasons is because I have a bunch of different accounts set up in One Password. So we have a business account at Relay FM. So I can have vaults in there that I share with my partner. I share with people who work with us. We can manage it all from a central database, but also using one password for families at home. So my wife and I can have shared logins. We can also have private logins that we don't share. And as my kids get older, right, getting devices, uh, I can create vaults for them as well in there. So I know that they are safe and sound with their password as well. Passwords, secure notes, bank information, everything in, uh, in one password is safe and sound. One password runs on all of my devices. Of course, my iPhone, my Mac, and my iPad is on my PC. Uh, it's also on my Apple Vision Pro. Uh, the iPad app is available in Vision OS, and it works just as smoothly as you think it would. It was really awesome setting up apps on that thing over the last few days. Just having one password open, uh, it integrates with the keyboard. Like it just, it all just works. And that's what I love about One Password. The team spends so much time making sure they integrate so well with these platforms. There's no Face ID or Touch ID on the Apple Vision Pro. It uses anything called Optic ID. It just worked. It just worked because the team at 1Password has put the hours in to make sure that it does. So if you're looking for a place to securely store, create, and manage passwords, secure notes, bank account information, software licenses, and more, go to onepasswordcom MPU. The link is in the show notes. You can learn more and sign up for a free 30-day trial. And when you're ready to go, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that's onepasswordcom slash MPU. Okay. One of the interesting things is you get you do the demo with their hardware. You, they don't unbox it for you in the store. They send you home with a sealed up box and in my case, a pair of reading glass lenses. And uh, a couple observations about that whole process. First of all, it's a big box. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, you know, Apple uh, focuses so much on, you know, getting a small packaging to make shipping easier. This thing really ships in a big box. It is. Obviously, it's smaller than the Mac Pro box, but that's what it made me think of because that box is en- was enormous. But yeah, it's very nicely packaged. I my, my first Apple Watch was the stainless steel one. And it came in a, a different box than the aluminum ones. That was when it was really important to Apple what material your watch was made out of. You had different experiences. Yeah. But you you undo this box and it's like presented to you. The Vision Pro is presented to you at the top of the box. And you know, there's lots of videos of this on YouTube now. And, and all your material is packed in there really nicely. Apple goes so over the top with this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just, absolutely incredible i mean even something like the mac studio box i'm sure you remember this opening yours you open the lid and like the sides sort of open up a little bit and like the mac studio is like presented to you it's like this box doesn't need to be this fancy but i kind of love that it is yeah it is really nice and they give you everything you need it's 
you know, I'm glad for a product this expensive, they didn't like cheap out. You get both bands, the battery, yep. all that stuff you need is there. Mm-hmm. And um, they even give you an extra light seal. Although it's actually not the same light seal. It's a little thinner. Yeah, there's two There's two cushions, which are the darker yeah. part. Um, yeah. And from what my understanding is, some people, when you add the the lenses, the prescription lenses or the readers, you have to use the thicker one and maybe otherwise you can use the thinner. Uh, so it's, it is uh, a little bit of customization, but yeah, all that's in the box. Uh, we will, we can talk about accessories, but everything you kind of need to go is, uh, is just there. And the, the experience of it is just, man, they just, they know what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. I wonder in the future, will it be, that big of a box. Like I can imagine like version three coming in a much smaller package. Yeah. But you know, it's generation one of an Apple product. They always kind of spoil you a little bit in certain weird ways. And I think the packaging often is one of them, just like you were saying with the watch. So it's cool. It's, it's a cool box. I kept everything pristine because I didn't know if I was going to return it or not. Um, So I wanted everything able to like pack it up again. If I decided this wasn't for me, um, but they give you everything you need, but you, you also bought the, the travel case, right? I did. Not that I think I'm going to take it a lot of places, but I wanted a way to like store it kind of all in one thing in my office. And it was 200 bucks, but I definitely had the sort of like sunk cost fallacy at this point. It's like, you know, what's yeah. another 200 bucks. I have a, a take that I know, I know for a fact, not everyone agrees with this. I think the Apple Vision Pro travel case is like the sickest looking Apple hardware in ages. I think it looks so cool. It looks like something that you would Velcro to an astronaut before you you send him to the moon. Uh, and you know, it's big. It's probably bigger than it needs to be, but it is really, really cool. Yeah, I saw it in a store and it really has a 1960s astronaut vibe to it. Yeah. Like, because of the material on it and kind of the wrinkly nature of it. And I, I was, I, I thought in the, at the moment, like you put a NASA sticker on this and give it to Stephen Hackett and he's happy. Right. Yep. But it stores everything nicely. I did not buy one. I had my sunk cost fallacy expense was increasing the storage. I didn't mm-hmm. buy a case, but I got the increased memory storage. Uh, but yeah, it is very nice looking. I was wondering generally about the third party market for this stuff. Like you could definitely make your own case for this stuff and sell it on Amazon or oh yeah. Uh, even the even the straps, because the strap connection system is quite uh clever, but it, it's like Apple watch bands. I think anybody could probably copy it and mm-hmm. make uh, other straps that would, would fit in and maybe make one that's like super ugly but really comfortable. Yeah. You know, my question is like are they selling enough of these that people are going to actually get into that game? It's, I mean, it's easy to do with an Apple watch or an iPhone because there are like billions of them. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's not the case with this. So I don't know if there really will be a thriving third party market for these accessories or not, but do you see Waterfield is working on uh, a couple of Apple vision pro bags? Oh no, I didn't, but of course they would. (laughs) Those guys are, those guys are the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course they would. Uh, but but I think it's going to be, so there will be some, but I don't think it's going to be a, a massive influx of devices for it, but that's no. cool. I, the, the Apple queso looks good, and I immediately knew that you would love it when I saw it. So you get the thing out of the box, you put the strap on, 
Uh, do you put the uh, you put the one that's you know the the one that goes behind your head, or you only goes over the top of your head when you get it out of the box? Which one did you use? Yeah, so I've I've really been trying the solo one, which is the one in all yeah. the press photos. The solo knit band is what comes on it in the box. The dual loop band is like yeah. tucked into the box, like it's a like it's a shameful secret. Like Apple didn't yeah. <laughs> didn't really want to yeah. ship it. There's there apparently was a combination at WBDC and some of the other demos of the solo knit band, but with the loop on top, I don't know whatever happened to that thing. But for me, for longer term use, the dual loop band, while both more fiddly and less nice looking is far more comfortable for me, at least. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's, it's shocking how much more comfortable it is. Uh, I mean, cause, and it makes sense because the way the, the cool looking one, you know, the one that they, they like, uh, put in all the press photos and everything. It requires you to crank it, and basically it holds the thing on your face by pressure from the back of your head. You know, mm-hmm. it's like how far, how hard can you pull it against your face in order to make sure the light seal sticks and that it doesn't fall off. Whereas the other one is using support over the top of your head. Of course, that's it's more like hanging on your head than like you know um, wrapped around your head. So it, it's yeah. just more more comfortable i i've heard from people uh, you know i i'm i'm referring to the labs a lot today because we did a meetup and there was a bunch of people there that had them and some people would prefer the uh the one that goes around the back of your head what do you call it so there's a dual loop and what's the other one called a uh, solo loop yeah the solo there's some people who prefer the solo loop and i guess maybe it just depends on how your head is shaped but i am um, i don't think i'm going to use the solo loop too much because it's just it's just kind of difficult although i think when I share it with people, I may use the solo loop because I think it's easier to get on. You know, it's less fiddly, like you said. Yeah. And so you put it on. I mean, we did the demo. You put it on at home. It's kind of nice to see your house through it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a there's a process you go through. You look at dots and you kind of start learning the user interface. Uh, I will say overall, the user interface on this thing is so natural that you start doing things without realizing it. One of the things is at one point I needed something that I couldn't figure out and I just long pressed by holding my thumb and forefinger together uh, to longer and I got a contextual menu and I didn't even know that was possible, but it just seemed like the natural thing to do. And this is like one of the things Apple does so well is they come up with a new interface for something and they make it so good that you don't really need to be trained on it. Mm. And they did it again. Yeah. I think that's one thing that they did with that, with those start screens. So you have a circle of dots. You got to go to each one and tap your fingers. It is a calibration process, but also it is teaching you how to get around, right? It's so subtle, yeah. but I was, I, because, because I do this for a living and talk about it for a living. It's like, okay, I know at the tricks Apple plays here. You know, this is different yeah. from like with the Newton, when you start up a Newton for the first time or after a battery replacement, you had to get the the stylus out and tap all the buttons. That wasn't to teach you how to use a stylus. It was because the Newton didn't know where its screen was. But this is a little bit of both. You do your hands up in the air, like you said, and it scans those as well. Uh, it's all very, um, it's all very clever and nice. Like it doesn't feel like you're doing, you know retina training or whatever it is it's i'm just looking at some dots and tapping my fingers and it's kind of fun because there's like a little music note and they're rainbow colored and it's all very nice um but i agree with you having it in your own 
environment changes it in a way. So what I have, where I've been using mine mostly is I have a love seat here in my office, kind of behind my desk and it faces the other wall. And I've kind of known since June is like, this is going to be like my vision pro space. Like a while back, you know, I sort of like ran an outlet over there. So, you know, I can plug in if I want to. Um, I'm looking at a couple of different side tables at Ikea to like put all my vision pro stuff on. It's going to be like my vision pro workstation. And you put it on and you're just like looking around your room. Like I know every square inch of the studio because it's not very big. It's like, I'm just here. Like it just, it's, it seems so simple to say it, but I at least had a very, I don't want to say emotional reaction, but like I had, I had a reaction of like, I put this thing on, but I'm still in my own space. I'm not taken away. It, it was really something I didn't expect to have a feeling about, but I definitely did. You know, it's hard to like nail it down, but there is a bit of an emotional reaction. And I think that's because we're Apple nerds. Uh, I don't think most people are going to feel that, but yeah, it's like to see the icons for my apps and my data floating in my space. I mean, I still get it every time I put it on and it's, it all comes up. It's like, damn, this is real, you know? And it's like, and your brain gets totally faked out by it. It's not perfect. It's a little dimmer. It's if the room doesn't have good lighting, it's a little grainy. You can tell you're looking through screens at some level, yeah. but very quickly your brain adapts and forgets that you're looking through screens. And now it's just your data appearing in space. Like just, just yesterday I was watching a video on it and then I paused it and I was home alone and I wanted to refill my water glass. So I didn't want to take it off. So I just walked in the kitchen, refilled the glass, came in. And then I saw the screen just hanging in the middle of the studio, like this two-dimensional screen like it's super thin but it's just hanging there and i started walking around it you know with the vision pro on just looking at this thing and i'm just fascinated that this exists but only in the space of this headset it's there's something very i guess i hate to use the word magical because apple overuses it but it, it really does feel kind of magical yeah what do you think of the hardware overall that now that you've been using it for a while it's incredible it is heavy and I think that's why the yeah. strap conversation is so important. It also throws yeah. off an amazing amount of heat. You don't feel it when it's on your face, but you feel it when you pick it up or or take it off your face or whatever. But the design of it, like you have this aluminum and glass, but then you have this, this stretchy fabric and it's all like gray and silver with little bits of orange, which like that's made for me and you. Like we love orange highlights on things. Yeah. Um, no doubt it will get thinner and lighter and all those things. But as a, as a object, um, it's incredible. And the pass through and the audio is so good. It, it really is. I mean, I feel like for the hardware perspective, other than the weight, it's amazing. This is probably the worst one they're ever going to ship. Oh, uh, definitely. It's the heaviest one. Right. And the, um, I, I would say that the weight, to me felt kind of like a nothing burger uh, once using it it, the way I use it. Like I generally use it sitting down with the uh, over the head strap and it's just a thing on my face. It doesn't, you know, it's not like you, your neck gets sore or something. It's not that heavy. It's just a little odd because it's front loaded. Right. But if you get the strap adjusted, right, it's fine. I've worn it for, you know, I think probably the most is about two and a half hours. And I wasn't like sore afterwards or anything. I, I I do feel like the weight thing is a little overplayed, um, but 
you know, it's not something you can walk around in. I guess Casey and I stand with skateboarding in New York on it. I, I would think the weight plays a role there, right? But I don't intend to do that. So, so I'm good. I guess while we're talking about setup, should we, we talk about personas? Yeah, I, I guess we should talk about personas. Um, so this is the, I'm not sure everyone's seen it. This is where you have your sort of digital version of yourself for things like FaceTime or Zoom or, or you know, other video video calls. Yeah. Let, let me give some pros of this, I think, off the top. The biggest pro to this is you set it up once and it's always reused. And so you can be on a video call at seven o'clock in the morning with somebody in a different country and you don't have to worry about your hair or your makeup or what you're wearing. Yeah. That I think is incredible. How many times like do you get a FaceTime call? It's like, I just, you know, got in from the gym or I look gross or it's first thing in the morning, you know, that part's awesome. I think it's really well thought through. And the reason for that is it scans all your face and then it is working with the sensors inside and, and on the underside of the headset itself to track your facial movements, then maps them onto that model. Yeah. And I'll give you another pro because it does that really well. Like you raise your eyebrows, your eyebrows go up. I was, I was like playing with it, like pushing my mouth to one side of the face or the other, all that stuff was real time and right on. I was surprised at how good it did that. Yeah. I think that varies a little bit person to person. Like I know like Mike Hurley's, his mouth doesn't open when he talks. Well, that's, that's cause he speaks the queen's English. This thing is only, in <laughs> he's there. not allowed to have a vision pro yet. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, I think it does struggle with some like, uh, facial hair situations and stuff, but, but yeah, generally it, it does a good job. And look, sometimes with Apple, you can connect the dots looking backwards. This tech I'm sure has its roots in, face ID and all of that hardware in the front of the iPhone and Memoji. Remember that thing where like Craig Federighi's like looking like a chicken and Tim Cook's an alien. Like that's what we had to get to here. But that does kind of lead to a question of why Memoji aren't on this device. Like why is that not an option for FaceTime or Zoom calls? And my theory on that is that Apple views this as something that they want to be taken seriously in professional environments. And maybe they don't want you to look like a zebra when you're on the phone with your CFO. I still think it should be an option. Like let me choose to be a persona or a zebra or whatever, but it's not there now. And, and that is, uh, that is interesting. I, I think it also draws contrast with meta with its headsets. They are doing a lot of avatar type work where you kind of design your character and then they map all your facial stuff onto that. Some of that stuff looks pretty bad, especially the early versions of it. And I think Apple doesn't want to be associated with that, even though some of the personas are kind of janky. But I, I do think there needs to be something, whether it be an avatar system or Memoji or something, because there are people who aren't going to want to use personas, who want to display themselves differently or just want optionality, right? Like maybe I want to look like me when I'm at work, but I'm with my friends on a FaceTime on Saturday night. I want to look another way. And so hopefully that that comes with time. But uh, so far, it's it's not there. I, um, I, I'm going to make an admission here. Okay, so the, the first time I did it, I didn't know what I was doing. 
and I had the camera slightly too low and I had my arms kind of pushed out and I ended up looking like a, a 70 year old, 300 pound person. And I was shocked, you know, and I looked at it, I was embarrassed. It's like, have I gained, do I look that bad? You know? And then I realized, no, this thing just sucks at doing this. So then I, um, I went to a dresser that was my eye height and I put it on top of that. So I wasn't holding it with my hands. I looked, uh, you know, poked my chin out, you know, the trick you do when you're overweight. And then like, then I, I made a decent one, but the fact is these things don't look very good. Um, they yeah. do reflect your face. Well, I understand what Apple was going for. Um, but I, I feel it needs work. It, that being said, when you use it, like if you talk to somebody after three or four minutes, you stop looking at it and it's just like, okay, that's Steve, that's Steven enough, right? I can see if he's smiling or if he's frowning or whatever. And I, I get where they're going with it. And this is, you know, just like, this is the heaviest vision pro. This is going to be the ugliest persona. Uh, all that stuff is going to get better over time, but I completely agree with you. I think we should have the option to make our own Memoji. And, you know, if you don't want to be a zebra with your CFO, then don't be a zebra with your CFO, use your persona. But, uh, for a lot of people, this stuff isn't about talking to the CFO. And especially if this hits mainstream in the future, I think just like on the phone, we should have the ability to make whatever character we want. And, um, and I, I really hope that that they'll reconsider that. I, I it's a total Apple decision in my mind to say, Oh, we we don't want to look like Facebook. We're going to be the professional device. It's just going to be your actual face. You know, we don't need to do the silly emoji stuff, but you know what? Some of us want it. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I really hope that at some point in some future iteration of the product, uh, persona gets better and that we get the option to do something other than persona. All that said, I think this is a bit of a red herring and uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one is, even though it's not perfect, if you spend a little bit of time setting it up, it doesn't look terrible and you get used to it very quickly. I mean, right now we're kind of in the honeymoon phase where that's the thing when you show up with a persona, everybody wants to talk about how ugly it is. But after a while, you just get used to it, right? Yeah, uh, it's just like bad lighting on a Zoom call or whatever. You just get used to it. Um, and then the second thing is I'm questioning how many people are going to be using this thing to do those types of calls with it. I know. Like in my case, um, when I need to do a Zoom call with somebody, I just sit in front of my computer and turn on the camera, you know, and I focus on the call. And when you look at like Apple's demonstration video, the big reveal of this was this woman who was packing and she had her thing on, her Vision Pro on, walking around the room packing. And that gave them a chance to show you that the pass-through works. You can walk around it. I understand why they did it, but are you going to really take a call? with your CFO while you're packing your suitcase <laughs> yeah. or are you going to be sitting down? I mean, I don't know that people are going to use this as much as you think they will for that purpose. Now, can I envision a day in the future where we're all wearing glasses and this is the new computing platform and you really need to do this? Yes. And I think they need to work towards that. But I think in this generation one product, I don't think there's that many people who are going to find that many reasons to use this for a FaceTime call. I think you're right. I mean, uh, I was just trying to think back to like when FaceTime first showed up. I feel like it was fun to call your friends. And then we all sort of fell into our rhythm, right? Like I, I basically, the only time I really use FaceTime is if I try and talk to somebody and like, I don't know, help them with something or they're trying to help me with something. It's like, it's easier if you just see it. 
But most of the time, if I'm using FaceTime, I'm on the road or, you know, not at home or my kids aren't at home and they want to talk, right? Or I, I want to talk to them. And that I think is always going to take place probably in a situation where I just like already have my laptop in a hotel room or I've got my phone on me. And I think you're right. I, I do think they are, I do think they're bad. I think Apple knows they're bad, but I also think that it is, it will not only get better with time, but it will also, like you said, you, you, you do get used to it. I mean, I had a conversation uh, with Jason Snell, our friend, and um, after two or three minutes, same thing with Quinn Nelson. I talked to him for a while after a few minutes. It's just like, it just fades away and you're just having a conversation with somebody. And in some ways it is better than a 2d zoom call or FaceTime call. Cause you do get some like more expression and there's a better sense of presence, but at the end of the day, you're just having a conversation. And I think that, I think you're right. I think it's, it will fade as a deal over time. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I, I think this needs to exist on the device. I'm glad they shipped it, and and I think over time it's going to only become more important. But I think in this first generation, it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah, it is. But but I'm with you. Memoji, please. I mean, I, I, I don't like the decision. I understand why they made it, but I, I wish they, they had made given us an option. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by NetSuite. If you have a business, you might be able to relate to this. Things get to a certain size and cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are suddenly taking a week. You have too many manual processes and you don't have one source of truth. It's never a good feeling when everything in your business is disjointed, too many processes in too many places. You want clarity. You want one place to go where all the important stuff happens. The solution to untangling that disjointedness is NetSuite, a software company that has developed a cloud-based business management platform to help your team deal with key business processes like enterprise resource planning and financials, CRM, e-commerce, inventory, and more. I know when we have too many manual processes at work, getting things done feels hard and I don't feel as productive as I'd like to be in my business. And if you want to make sure the cracks don't emerge in your business, there are three numbers to know. 36,000, 25, and 1. There are 36,000 businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle, making NetSuite the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. And 25 because NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And 1 because your business is one of a kind. So get a customized solution for all your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make decisions. I know as a business owner what a difference that can make and how much easier everything operates when information is available. So go now to check out that popular KPI checklist is designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely for free at netsuite.com slash MPU. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash MPU to go get your own KPI checklist and make sure your business continues to thrive. Our thanks to NetSuite for the support of the show and Relay FM. 
So we wanted to talk about this as an entertainment device. We will get to productivity, but I think they're they're kind of equally important in this device. And I think the easiest thing to say here is, uh, boy, is it good at movies. <laughs> yeah. It's so good well, at I mean, movies. That's, that's the reason we're covering this first is because it does the execution of entertainment device is better than productivity device. Yeah. You know, just to, and, and it is, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I didn't think, you know, cause I'd heard that going in that it's really good for watching media. And I didn't really, cause I'm not really a big media person. You know, I don't, I, I don't own like a fancy home theater system. I, I it's just not me. Like, uh, but man, movies are so good on this thing. I mean, I got a, I got a hint of it in the Apple store demo, but when I got home and sat like you, I have a comfy chair in my studio and I put up, um, the first thing is I put up some Apple TV content and because the Apple TV theater that they have is massive. And I thought, you know, I was in the theater and it looked good. It sounded good. And it was the best TV that I've ever had in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can make it enormous, which is fun. In the stock viewer, you can actually enter a theater mode like an Apple TV with regular 2D content and say, you know, I want to sit at this part of the theater or balcony, the floor, you know, kind of up close or far away. But I think the sound also is a really big, big part of that and that is across all of these entertainment apps and, and even in the system like the ui sounds and everything uh the yeah. audio is is sharp it is loud um if you're using just the speakers you know you people around you can hear it but it it really is like yeah like you said it's the best tv in my house on the audio thing when i first heard of this product i'm like oh i'll just be using my airpods with this i'm not because because if you look at it the speakers are two little like warts on the on the device strap and they, they don't look like impressive speakers at all. And I'm just thinking those are going to be super tinny and I'll just do it always with headphones. So I was all set to do that. And I, I have not tried it with AirPods yet because the speakers are so good. They just sound great. The only reason you would put AirPods in is if you don't want the other people in the room to hear it if you're using it on an airplane or something like that. Um, but the, to get back to the screens, I, I guess I should back up a little bit so you can put a screen up without being in what they call an environment. So if you want to just watch Apple TV plus it's a screen and the rest of your room is still there. You can have your weather app and your reminders or whatever you want, you know, there in front of you as well and just have the TV as a TV screen. Uh, But if you really want to immerse yourself in a piece of media, then you go into this, this environment and Apple has, you know, they have their kind of theater mode, which is really nice and that kind of leads me over to the Disney Plus app. You know, a lot of these media companies have taken kind of a standoffish approach to it. Apple and Disney, they're very similar companies. Bob mm-hmm. Iger is on the board of Apple. At least he was last time I checked. And and these guys uh, get it. You know, they're both companies that specialize in customer experience. So, so they get it. And they made a really nice Disney Plus implementation for it. And so you go in it, you can pick a Disney movie or Star Wars or Marvel, any, you know, the Disney properties. And they also, uh, a couple things. First, they have 3D movies in their day one. So if you subscribe, you, you've got a whole bunch of 3D movies. And the 3D moving experience, the 3D movie experience on this thing is not like any 3D movie you've ever seen before. You know, 
Yeah, uh, it's good, I, unlike the other yeah, ones. Yeah, you, you don't have to like watch it through sunglasses. I mean, it's... Yeah, exactly. I, I will say, just to stop the email, Bob Iger resigned from Apple's board in 2019. Um, okay. But well, you're right, they are, they are... In some ways, Apple and Disney are like two sides of a coin in, in a weird way. But um, yeah. But yeah, the the regular 3D movies uh, look incredible. I have I have tried 3D movies in the theater, did not have a good experience, and these look great. I watched probably half an hour of I even forget which Avengers movie in 3D, and it you know it's not it's not weird, it's not flickery, it's not strange like sometimes our movie theaters like it looked fantastic. Yeah, well, I had a, a more emotional response than you did <laughs> because I uh, yeah. so I put on the Disney Plus one, and then they have like so to add to these these theater, they have these 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 um, surroundings you can put yourself in. They have the Disney Plus theater, and so you're sitting in your chair, you turn it on, and then the screen gets even bigger, and it's like you're in a, th- a theater. In fact, one of the things the Disney theater does is it puts a like a drinks table right next to you that is a virtual drinks table. I'm like, it looks so real. You could literally like set a drink on it without realizing yeah. that, you're, you know, <laughs> that your drink clatters to the floor. <laughs> yeah. and Daisy's like, I think we need to put a table there. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. when we watch this, we need to like have an actual table there, you know? Um, but the, uh, but so, and I was thinking, well, what will I watch? And I wanted to do a 3d movie and I saw Moana there and, so I said earlier, my wife's Filipino, my kids are are half Filipino, uh, you know, uh, mix from me. And, uh, but I, I feel a connection to that character. They remind me of my daughters. And, and I remember seeing the movie years ago and how I really enjoyed it. And I said, well, I'll watch the end of it. Cause I remember the end was very kind of emotional and, and very epic. There's a battle and then there's all sorts of things and, and going on and it's in 3d and the 3d effect is amazing. And then you get to the point where um, she has kind of her moment where she realizes her power, right? And she she sings and the music swells and this this young woman, you know, saves the world. And it just, you know, if anybody's seen the movie, they know what I'm talking about. But it got me a little teary, you know? And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm in connection with my emotional side, Stephen. I can cry a little bit during a movie. So, but I had this stupid thing on my face, so I couldn't wipe my eyes, right? And I'm like, well, I don't want to lift it up and wipe my eyes because then I'm, it might, you know, I just want to see the movie end, right? If you're in a theater without this thing on your face, you could just wipe your eyes off. But I, I didn't do it, so so I'm I'm crying a little bit inside the thing. I finish the movie and I take it off and I look at the the seal, the rubber seal around it, and it's all wet. <laughs> you know, it's like the tears had had dripped into it. I thought it was funny. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, here's a downside. If you watch a movie that makes you cry, you're going to get your uh, your your Vision Pro wet. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I have a tear stained Vision Pro seal. You do. Uh, it really yeah. is impactful, and th- there is something yeah. uh, cool about the environments in the Disney Plus app in particular. I, of course, um, as I'm sure you did, I tried Tatooine first. And yeah. it's like I'm sitting in a speeder, man. Like I'm in a speeder, and it was it was awesome. And my immediate thought was, apps should be able to donate these environments to the system because yeah, you can only be on Tatooine or in the Avengers Tower or the Disney Theater while you're in Disney Plus. 
And when you're in the rest of the system, you're just in apples. They have maybe 10 or 12 you can choose from. Some are called labeled coming soon, which I don't understand. Like, why are you showing them to us if they're not here yet? I don't know. Um, But it would be really cool to kind of like, yeah, what if what if Disney could make a bunch of these or what if I could, you know, do all my regular work like sitting at a a booth at Pizza Planet from Toy Story or, you know, on like name whatever entertainment you want to um i do hope that these these environments these immersive environments so you turn the dial your room disappears you're in this other place that apple works with partners to bring more of those in because i mean really i think if you want to see what this device can do from from an entertainment perspective apple tv plus and disney plus are the two you got to check out the others are good because they're big but apple and disney have done the work to to really make this shine yeah i agree they should be donated and available cross-platform and the environments can be a productivity thing which we'll talk about in the next segment but on the entertainment angle i also want to talk about the photos app that's the first thing they show you when you do the demo for a reason because being able to see your photos is really impressive and the the 3d video i shot just a couple of them because i have an iphone 15 pro uh, they are shockingly good. I mean, it feels very real. Like I did one of Daisy in front of the Disneyland castle. And not only was she in three dimensions, there were a lot of people walking behind her cause it's in front of the castle and you could see dimensionality all the way through the photo. I thought it would just be like in the front, you know, couple feet, but it actually goes beyond that. So, and again, this is version one of this. I can't imagine how much better it's going to get in the future. Uh, but that's really impressive. But even more impressive to me, I think, was panoramic photos. Uh, panoramic photos, the way they wrap around you uh, and make you feel like you're there. That's another kind of escape of it. And I shot a bunch of panoramics walking around Disneyland. And I'm get, once I get them formatted right, I'm going to put them on the website and make them available for people to download for their Vision Pros. And they're just kind of fun to stand there and look around. But one thing that occurred to me is why can't I just use this like a wallpaper in here? Mm -hmm. What if I don't want to look at my room? What if I just want to put the Millennium Falcon, um, you know, as the background and then lay my apps in front of that? Um, So I I, I can see a lot of places to improve on this, but uh, the entertainment um, of this device, if there is an excuse to spend $3,500, and feel like you're getting a bang for your buck, I think the entertainment angle is probably the best reason. Like, if you look at how much it costs to buy a TV that big and a sound system and all that stuff, uh, this is not not that expensive, you know, in comparison. I will say about the panoramic photos, <laughs> they're incredible. And it's really cool that all your panoramic photos you've ever taken are available to you. Like, I think that came with the iPhone five or five S like it was a long time ago, but I think the only way Apple knows something is pan or the only way it detects if something's panoramic is based on the, the ratio of the image. And yeah. for better, or for worse, I end up having a lot of stuff in my photo library for work. Like, Oh, I had this website banner and I need it on my phone to upload to this or whatever. And so I've got a lot of cool panoramic photos I've taken over the years, but then scattered in there is like this huge web banner for our St. Jude fundraiser or this banner for like something related five years ago. (laughs) I was like, okay, I need to clean that out a little bit. 
Um, yeah. But I do wish maybe there was a way to tell it, tell my photo library, like, hey, don't don't put this in that collection. But it's startling, man. You, you pull up these panoramic photos or the spatial images and just how quickly your brain buys it. I mean, I, I took some spatial video at the very end of the year when the University of Memphis Tigers football team played in their bowl game. Uh, so I went yeah. to the game with a friend of mine. It was extremely cold. And I, I took some spatial video knowing this device was coming, you know, with my iPhone 15 Pro Max. And I replayed that video on the headset. And I swear just for a second, my hands felt cold. because It was so cold that day. And that's what I remember from that game. Like we won. I had a, a great time with my friend. But we almost froze to death. And it's like your your brain just brings these things back. And I think that's a really powerful use case for this type of device. Like, um, And I think we're right in lumping it into entertainment. But like, it's kind of your own entertainment, your own memories. But it is, it's really powerful. It, it's, it sounds silly until you experience it. Um, but it is definitely, definitely a thing. And you want to talk about brain tricking you. Um, there is a example video in here. You've probably seen it if you've seen any of the press on this thing where the dinosaur shows up and the, the butterfly lands on your finger. And yeah. it's just, it's really just a demo more than an app, but it's, it's, a, it's a really cool demo. But so a butterfly flies out and it's flying and you hold up your finger and it lands on your finger. And I know that that butterfly is not real. I know it positively in my brain mm -hmm. and I'm telling myself that butterfly is not real, but when it lands on my finger, every time I feel its legs on my finger and I don't know why there, there was a PhD guy in the labs who says, no, it's your brain. Don't it's just, your brain is going to do that. Don't worry about it. And then like, but it's, it's just shocking to me that my brain can like go against my own knowledge yeah, but I feel. Do you feel it when it lands on your finger? Have uh, you done that? Uh, yeah, I did it. I did it this morning. So I I knew people had that reaction to the demo, and so I chose to do that last before recording today. It's like, okay, I'm pretty used to a bunch of this other stuff. Will this still feel this way? And boy, does it! I mean, I put my hand out, and it comes and settles on my hand. Right? It's like, yeah, you, you, yeah, you like you feel it, and then you look up, and there's a dinosaur looking at you. But what really got me is the dinosaur turns around to walk away from you kind of at the end of the demo and its tail swings out of the frame. And it's like, I almost wanted to duck because I, I did this actually yeah. in my in my den where we have a ceiling fan. And I thought, oh, God, it's going to hit the ceiling. And then I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Real fan, fake dinosaur. But yeah, the edges get blurry. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like there's a, a scene in the store demo where this rhinoceros starts pushing its way towards you. And you really feel like I need to get out of here. This thing's going to run me over. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it, it's very strange. And the other thing I notice is like, there is a virtual keyboard, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But I find that when I touch the keys on the virtual keyboard, I feel the touches, which doesn't make any sense to me. It's just pixels on a little screen from my eyeballs, but I can physically feel myself press it. You know, it's like, it's like a brain farted haptic feedback, you know, but mm -hmm. I, and I keep telling myself it's not there. Stop, act, stop feeling it, you know, but I still feel it. I don't know. It's just so weird. Um, but it's that's weird. just a little, it, it yeah, is, right? it is weird. Yeah. I do briefly want to just touch on the, 
the mindfulness angle here. I know you've had a, a long-standing mindfulness practice with meditation. I know a lot of people aren't where you are with it, and Apple does have their mindfulness app and sort of content in here as as a native Vision OS app, uh, as opposed to like the, an iPad version. Uh, so I have tried this a couple of times, and it is it's pretty good. I tend so like if I'm gonna do if I want a device to help me with like a breathing exercise, I actually still prefer the Apple Watch because you get the taptic feedback of like with Apple's Breathe app, or I think they recalled renamed it Mindfulness now because it does more stuff. It taps quickly when you're supposed to breathe in, as slow when you're supposed to breathe out, and. and in Vision, in Apple Vision Pro, there's beautiful graphics, as you would imagine, and there's sound that helps you sort of time your breathing to it. Um, but I still think the Apple Watch version uh, is is more useful, at least for the the you know mindful breathing. But it, I, I do think that there is a, a a potential here for people who do want mindfulness apps or content like this. Um, that I do think it could be. Uh, it could be really useful in that realm. Um, and I, I, you know, that's yet another thread. I think I'm going to try to like a look down or like road. I'm going to look down in the future of, of where is this device going to go? I would also put maybe like education in there as well. There are a couple apps that, you know, you can spin around a car and take it apart, like learn how it works. I think there's a big opportunity for that as well. You know, uh, so like entertainment, photos, mindfulness, education, like, these are all areas that I think 3D content that you can interact with with incredible sound, like it could change the game in a lot of those areas. That's that's very cool. Yeah, and I think if that helps you get on the train for meditation, then go for it. I, I meditate with my eyes closed. I have an app called, uh, I think it's called Simple Timer. And I set a 30-minute timer, and at the end it rings a bell. And I sit on a cushion, and I don't need any interaction with anything else to do it but that's just me because i've been doing a long 31 years now i looked it up but you know i think if it helps people get started go for it and and that is like you're right kind of part of what they're aiming for here is giving people on ramps to things that they weren't able to do otherwise yeah this episode of mpu is brought to you by indeed we're driven by the search for better when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. If you need to and hire, you need Indeed. It is the matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster, because 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I've got a family member who was hired via Indeed, and I talked to them about it. Everything was really easy to do from their side. They even had uh, like a, a virtual interview through the Indeed platform, and they had just a great experience, and they're loving their new gig. It's really cool to see this stuff out in the real world. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that are using Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility. You want to go to indeed.com slash MPU. That's I-N-D-E-E-D. Indeed.com slash MPU to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on our podcast. That's indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the show and Relay FM. The big question I had with this thing was, will it be useful for productivity? And I'm still on a bit of a journey with that. Like the, this, the case for the entertainment device is immediate and obvious. It works. It's ready to roll. You want to buy this thing to watch movies. You're going to have a great time. Uh, the second question is, can you be productive with this? And I'll tell you that uh, within the first six hours, I felt like you couldn't. And I was actually considering returning it. But then I started spending more time on it. And I've found some productivity uses for it. But it's very early days. It is early days. And I think that is something we need to remember here. It's early days, just like it was early days for the iPhone once and the iPad once, right? This is a a new platform. And while it does stand on the shoulders of the iPad in particular, it can run a whole bunch of iPad apps as long as developers don't opt out of that. The actually the underlying OS my understanding is, is basically iPad OS. Like the core is iPad OS with all this spatial stuff on top of it. Apple's really tapping into their sort of like vertical alignment of a lot of that technology, which is good. And and that's a great acknowledgement that it's, it's essentially iPad OS, right? Because we went through a process, I know I did, where I spent years saying, well, it's iPad OS, so why can't I turn it into a Mac? And Eventually, when I said, no, it's iPadOS, it's not macOS, and I started treating it as iPadOS, I became more productive with the iPad. And I used it for things that kind of fit within the iPad's wheelhouse. And I think going into this with this device, I'm accepting it early. I'm not going to try and turn this into a Mac. Um, Even though you can display your Mac screen, we'll get to that. But, Mm -hmm. But generally, to use this for productivity, I think you should think about it as a vision OS, not a Mac OS, yeah. which is, I think is what everybody's tempted to do. And, and that being said, I have found a couple uses for it just in the days I've been experimenting where I feel like it's pretty useful. I mean, the first one is for me uh, is what I call an environmental writing, you know, kind of scene. And you've got these environments in it. we talked a little bit about in the last segment, but Apple also has basic environments you can put yourself in. Uh, frankly, they don't have enough of them. There should be more at launch. And this is the thing where they show you, oh, we have three or four more coming soon. Yeah. Now there should be like 30 of them. It yeah. should, you know, I don't, I don't know why they've got to be so precious. It kind of feels like a uh, watch faces all over again. Like I have to make, you know, you're going to like just spill these out to me one a year. I want, you know, a lot of these things, but the ones they have are good. Uh, my favorite is Yosemite, and I've kind of been turning Yosemite into my writing environment. Hmm. And the uh, so I set it up. I put, I sit, I, I surround myself in Yosemite. You can also, by the way, make it contextual to night or day, which is kind of fun. Um, and I've been using Apple Notes because it is a Vision Pro app. And let me just take a little side route on that question. Vision Pro apps are far superior to iPad apps on this device. Uh, so the way it works is any iPad app that hasn't opted out, I'm looking at you, Netflix, um, 
will work on Vision Pro. Like day one doesn't have a Vision Pro app, but they have a an they have an iPad app. I, so I've got day one up in my Vision Pro just fine. Um, but the touch targets on Vision Pro on iPad apps are smaller than they are in Vision Pro apps. And the eye tracking is great, but it is not super refined. I feel like like I have found myself with some iPad apps trying to push a button that I just can't push. Yes. You know, I just can't get my eye to stay there long enough. And like then my eye drifts at the last minute as I'm clicking my fingers or whatever. And it, it is super frustrating to, to be looking at a button, trying to push it and not have it push. Mm-hmm. That's never happened to me with a Vision OS app, uh, but it's happened to me with some of the iPad OS apps. But either way, so uh, getting back to my writing environment, I will put up Apple Notes because it is a Vision Pro app. And there aren't many other writing apps that really are on Vision Pro yet. Although I've heard from developers and they're coming. Uh, but Apple Notes is fine. So I, I put it up there. And I just dictate to it and I just go hog wild. I sit back in my comfy chair and I've got a list of things I want to do. I can, you know, I've got three or four blog posts to write. I've got, you know, something I'm writing relating to a labs uh, event or something. And I just grind through them, you know, and just keep pressing the plus button to make a new note. And I just get them all done sitting there in Yosemite. And already after just a few days, it's like Yosemite shows up, Apple notes comes up and my brain's like, okay, Time to write. And I don't think about anything else but writing. And that's exactly what I wanted out of this. I wanted to be able to kind of hardwire my brain to a certain environment as the place that you do a certain thing. And that's why I want more environments. But but it, it already is working a little bit. Just like the bug landing on your finger, mm-hmm. I think you can wire yourself productivity-wise with the, yeah. this thing doing something like that. And in, in a way, you've taken contextual computing to a whole new level, right? It's like the context I am in now reflects the work that I want to do. And I think that is super interesting. I think from a productivity angle, it's, it's the the focus aspect of it is is perhaps one of the biggest pros. I agree with you about the app thing. Um, iPad apps, they're great to have. I'm glad they're there because without them, there would be nothing on this device, including a bunch of Apple's own apps like Maps and Calendar or compatibility iPad apps, which I, I do not understand. But... Uh, that, that is what it is, I guess, for now. And it, it means it can stand on the shoulder of the iPad ecosystem, which is which is great. Um, but there's something about those vision apps. They're easier to manage with your eyes if you're not using a keyboard and trackpad, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but they also just, they look so nice. Like, the, we, had, we don't even talk about this, but like the UI, like in one way, this this platform has no UI because the UI is either your room that you're in or the environment you dialed into, but the the Chrome around the windows, the uh, the way things look, it is both kind of instantly the same as an iPad, or like like the settings app looks like the settings app on the Mac, right? Because <laughs> like that, this is the same everywhere. Um, but the textures and the reflections and the fact that Windows cast shadows in the real world, which is the coolest trick, all of that is so well done and you get a lot of that that stuff when an app is is rebuilt for vision os um one of the things i think i like the most about the difference between the apps uh so you have like your main app window and there's no menu bars or anything kind of native to vision os um but you you have ui outside of the main window to change context and so on the home screen 
you have your apps and then you have environments and you have people you kind of go over to the side and select them. And that's a much better way of navigating around the interface than trying to hit a tiny little text doesn't even look like a button on an iPad app. And I really hope that developers will, um, will do the work to, to make them native. Cause I think it, they're, they're a much better experience. Entirely agree. And, and I do think though, that, that the UI, there's more to it. It's like, it's softer. There's more round corners. There's more transparency. It just feels more like an embracing of the user, like in your environment. And I, I don't know really how to nail it down, but I feel like this needs to come over to the Mac. And I, I want to see this, this softer, similar UI experience kind of become more, more um, used throughout the Apple ecosystem. We, we've been hearing that, you know, the new iOS this year is going to be a big difference. And I really hope it leans towards vision OS look and feel because I, I think it, it is, is it, uh, superior to what they have currently. And it feels really good to be in it. And that's one of the reasons why I can't, but smile every time I, I put it on and the environment comes up because it's just mm-hmm. such a, a pleasant user interface and, yeah. you know, working in a pleasant interface is, is good, right? That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, another use case I've been working on with this thing, cause I, I when I read the, uh, the Annie Murphy Paul book last year called extended mind, it comes up all the time. I talk about this book, read the book. It's a good book. <laughs> but one of the things she did was there's some science behind the idea that uh, because as humans, we're more visual than we think, even if you don't consider yourself a visual thinker, uh, vision really works for us. And I know, I acknowledge I'm a visual thinker. And she talked about in the book, how you know, they did some studies and and one of the best things you can do for developing ideas is put a massive whiteboard in your room, right? You know, like I'm not talking like two foot by three foot. I'm talking like 16 feet by eight feet, you know, just like a massive board where you can write ideas down and come to them and look at them and move them around and think about them. This book was so impactful on me that when I built the studio, I seriously considered putting up a wall sized piece of glass in front of my wooden um, backdrop in my studio. You know, I've got this like kind of nice wall that I use as a backdrop, but I, I would have also liked to use that wall as a whiteboard, but the reflection wouldn't have worked. There's a whole bunch of reasons why I couldn't do it, but I, I, there's a part of me that wishes I almost did that instead of the wood, but I, I not a big enough part to really regret it. Um, so I thought, well, this vision pro would be something where I could do that. Right. I could virtually have a wall sized whiteboard that I could work on. And then when I'm done thinking about it, I could take the headset off and it goes away and my wood is back, which would be kind of the best of both worlds. And the app that I'm thinking about this for at this point is Freeform. You know, I mean, that's the app that feels to me like the thing Apple kind of made for the Vision Pro. Yeah. So I've done that. I set it up and I created, because I've got several large Freeform documents. I've been playing with that app a lot over the last year. And I've got like all the workflows for the Max Sparky Labs and all that. I've got different things that I've I've sketched out in these boards. And I've made them primarily on the iPad because the pencil support and everything. But I do look at them on my Mac. But the Mac is, you know, it's big, but it's not wall size big. So I started projecting them up on the wall. And they look great. And you get that feeling walking around this thing, like looking at your ideas on a whole wall gives you insight that you don't get otherwise. The problem is you can't 
with a whiteboard, I could just get a marker and start writing on the board. You can't do that on this. Uh, they do have a, a technique where you can pinch your finger, your thumb and your index finger together and make a writing motion and, and write on it. But it's terrible. I mean, it's not the fine motor control that you get with a marker on a big piece of glass. Mm-hmm. And it looks horrible. And I was super disappointed because like, oh, this would have been a great thing. So I was sitting here pondering it. And if you look at my studio, this wall is, I'll tell you, it's a nine feet high and 14 feet long. So it's a big wall. And there are no windows because I didn't want windows on the north facing side of the house because uh, when I shoot video, the sunlight causes problems. Uh, I'm sorry, the south facing side of the house. I got turned around there. But the... uh, yeah, so it's it's just a huge wall. And um, then I got thinking, well, I could simultaneously use Vision Pro and an iPad because it's got pass-through video. So I, I've got a table that I, it's on wheels. I put it in the center of the room. I put my big iPad on the table. It's looking at the same freeform document as the wall. And when I want to update the wall, I get my Apple Pencil and I update it on the iPad without taking the headset off. It works fine. And within seconds, it's on the wall. If I want to move something on the wall, I do it with the iPad. But then I can go back to walking around and up and down the wall and looking at it and thinking about it. And I actually find it pretty useful. I don't think it is as good as a room size whiteboard would be, but it's pretty close. And this is only after a few days of experimentation. It is a lot more expensive than the whiteboard would have been. I'm just gonna Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is, but I, I just don't have a space for it. You know yeah, what I mean? It is really cool. Uh I had yeah. not considered using the iPad and that together. This is out of pocket for where we are, but how do you find using another device with the Vision Pro? Uh, I find like I can use my phone. If I try, I cannot read my watch very well. Yeah, it's okay. It's not great. Yeah. Um, but but I'm able to write on an iPad and see what I'm doing on it with an yeah. Apple Pencil. Yeah, yeah. No problem. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's not the worst, but it's not crystal clear either. Interestingly, I haven't tested it yet. I just bought the Bezel app, um, which is an excellent app if you want to put your iPhone or iPad on your Mac screen, although you do need to have a wired connection. But I use it for a lot of the stuff I make for the labs and YouTube and the field guides. But they just made a Vision Pro version that will put up your phone in virtual space in the uh, Vision Pro. I I just bought it. I haven't tried it yet. I mean, we're early days here. But that would seemingly kind of help with that problem yeah yeah uh, but either way so that's another productivity workflow i've got and we're only a few days in i feel like as more apps show up i'm going to find ways um the productivity story and there's more i want to talk about this on but just to kind of summarize uh, in general the watching movies thing is a no-brainer it's an absolute win productivity is a little bit more of a close call i mean mm-hmm. there are some productivity uses um, does it justify a $4,000 purchase? Probably not. Probably not. I want to talk a little bit about input uh, into this device. Obviously, for a lot of us, productivity means a lot of clicking and typing. And I, I'm just going to say it. I I think the virtual keyboard is pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> it's clever. Yeah. Right? You go to a text field, tap your fingers together, a keyboard pops up right in front of you. You can use your eyes and tap, or you can reach out and poke the keyboard, which you look like a, just like a maniac doing that. Yeah. Someone walks by, but for me, at least it is slow and pretty painful. And it, you know, if it's only a few days in, maybe it would be better with time, 
but I have found it much better to use a physical keyboard. You can do it through a couple of ways. You can do it th- with a Mac, which we're going to talk about uh, the, the Mac thing here in a second. Uh, but for me, though, I ended up with a, I had a Magic Keyboard that was just laying around, and I bought a new Magic Trackpad, and I put them together in the 12 South Magic Bridge. So I have this thing that can just be on my lap with a, a keyboard and trackpad, and I have not found myself using it all the time, but in the times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and like work on the show notes, or I want to, you know, I, I did some email on it the other day just to see what that would be like. Having a, that real keyboard is, is I think, pretty important. Yeah, I think it's almost a necessary accessory. Yeah. Yeah. The way it handles the cursor is super interesting. Remember when I said earlier this device kind of doesn't have a UI because like the background is whatever you make the background. The way yeah. the cursor handle, handles that is the cursor will jump from window to window. So imagine that I have messages on my left and Safari on my right. And I, I get a message I need to respond to it. And I want to use the cursor. Then I, dr- I drag the cursor to the edge of the one window and it stays for a second. Like there's a little friction. Then it pops over to messages on the left. It took me a couple of minutes to get used to that, but I, I do think the keyboard is necessary. I don't think the cursor is, but it does make it feel faster because I don't feel like I'm trying to like really, especially with iPad apps, trying to focus on something that's a little too small to really make sure I've got the selection. Right. Um, and so uh, I, I've been using both when I'm kind of in productivity mode. And I find it to be uh, less frustrating that way. Yeah, I think particularly if you can use iPad apps, you need yeah. something like that. And this 12 South thing is great. Uh, I've ordered mine. But as soon as you told me about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need that. Because you can, because you, you, depending on which environment you're in, you may not be able to see the keyboard. Like when I'm in Yosemite writing mode, I don't see the keyboard, but I'm a touch typist, so it's fine. And uh, I can see, like, laying that in my lap in writing mode and using dictation mm-hmm. and keyboard simultaneously. And why not, right? And I think you add the cursor support with an attached trackpad and, and you're good to go. So I'm I'm going to get that and just keep it on my side table next to the comfy chair. And and then it becomes more of a computer in yeah, essence exactly. when I open it up. And, you know, it's interesting to me, that's sort of an analogy to the iPad, right? The iPad can be its own tablet or you can put a keyboard and trackpad on it. It kind of becomes this different thing. They, they've brought that idea forward to the Vision Pro. Um I will say about the immersive environments and the keyboard and kind of how that works together. So if you have a hardware keyboard that's on your lap, one thing it does is it knows where the keyboard is and it puts the quick type bar, like the auto correct and the predictions, yeah. a virtual version of that above your physical keyboard. And it's the cool, like that always makes me smile. It's like, okay, you know where the keyboard is, this technology, I have it on my phone and my iPad everywhere else. But if you do dial 100% into an environment, you're right. The physical keyboard disappears, even though it clearly knows where it is. And I would like that to be readdressed by Apple. Like if I'm using a physical keyboard, I would like to be able to see it. So what I've been doing is if I'm going to use an immersive environment, which by the way, the moon is my favorite one by far. I'm on brand. Um, Yeah. 
I'm using it about 60 or 75%. So the backdrop of my apps is the moon. But if I look down, I see my actual legs, my actual hands, and the physical keyboard. Because I am not quite a touch typist. And sometimes I find it useful to see the keyboard. Um, and I think I just look at the keyboard way more than I realize. Like I just, I've kind of noticed that. I'm like, oh, I look at my keyboard all the time. Just like these little micro glances. Um, but I would like to see uh, to see that improve. If I'm using a physical keyboard, I, I think at least I should be able to see it all the time. You know how your mom's always right? My mom told me to take a typing class in seventh grade. My mom was right again. Yeah, I, I wish somebody <laughs> it served had, me so well told me, over the years. Told me that. Should we talk about the Mac escape hatch? Yes, yes. Let's talk. So many people are curious about that. I've had so many questions from people about it. Um, so you put the device on, and if you look at an open laptop, it puts a little button in space that you can. I want to say tap on, but what do you say? Pinch on, you know, you tap your fingers together and it, it, it turns off the Mac display and allows you to have a, you know, a big 4k, I believe is it 4k they're selling it as a, but that's what they say. The Mac reports the resolution as being lower, but, uh, I can say like blowing it up as big as I can in my office. Like it looks sharp. I mean, yeah, uh, it looks great. And it's yeah. using that, if you're on an Apple Silicon Mac, um, it's using that new screen sharing, virtual screen sharing stuff that they added in, in I think in Sonoma. I don't remember. But it's uh, it's very responsive. And yeah, you have like, you have your whole Mac there. These Mac apps can't escape into your spatial environment, right? It's, it's a window. Your Mac is still a window. You can make it enormous. But what I find... So, so interesting about this is it is the escape hatch. Like I use that word, those words very purposefully because if the, if there's not a vision OS app or there's not an iPad app available on the vision pro, then you have access to the whole Mac OS ecosystem. And that is profoundly unlike the iPad, right? The iPad doesn't have that, but this thing does. And it's interesting because it interacts with the rest of vision OS. Like when you open it up, your mouse and trackpad and your keyboard, they all work, right? In the Mac environment. Um, but you can simultaneously have Vision OS and iPad OS apps up in the Vision OS environment. And if you look over to them, your keyboard works there too. It's just so, there's so many, so much thought in this. I feel mm-hmm. like they really made it like, like a way to allow you to use the Mac, but not, completely abandoned vision os uh, a couple things i want to clarify i think they call it 4k because it's 4k in terms of window management inside the mac like i have a 6k monitor and clearly a 4k monitor gives you slightly less options with window management mm-hmm. but the resolution itself is completely sharp i so i don't know you know what i mean it's like it's 4k in terms of window management it's not really 4k in terms of pixel density in my opinion yeah i think that's right the other thing is a lot of people are confused about this. It does not give you a second screen. It replaces your max screen. So like uh, I heard from somebody said, well, I want to buy one in lieu of a second Apple display. Correct. You know? So I'm just going to put that on. It doesn't work that way. You lose yeah. your main display. It, so in fact, that's it. If you're like me and you use a MacBook pro and a studio display, you lose both of them and you get one virtual Mac display. 
And, and yeah. so it is, uh, it is not a second display in your desk. It is its own thing. And it, you know, it works with the other like universal control stuff. So you could have your laptop in your lap. The screen is black in this mode. So other people can't see what you're doing. You just see it in vision OS, but you can still use the keyboard and trackpad on the Mac to do everything. So like, they're integrating these things in really interesting ways, but it is not a secondary display in addition to what you have. It replaces it. Your Mac goes dark. The other thing that's weird is I have not been able to get it to give me the uh, remote Mac display hover button with a Mac studio, with a desktop Mac. It just doesn't show up. And maybe I'm looking at it wrong or I haven't done the research. But if you go to Control Center in Vision OS, you can connect it to a desktop Mac, but you don't get the automatic right. little hovering button with a lap that you do with a laptop. Th- that is what I've heard from a bunch of people. Uh, I don't. My guess is they can train it what a MacBook looks like, and there's all sorts of sizes and and different layouts of desktop displays. So. I guess that that backup is yeah you just go into control center and grab it. it so it does work it's just not as automatic yeah and I'll tell you that um, so I've used it in a couple different contexts uh, I I was at the kitchen table with my laptop with my MacBook Air and it was shockingly good you know I felt like oh yeah this totally works and sitting here at my desk I've got like a big screen. Uh, uh, as an aside, a labs member was telling me that he travels for work a lot. So he's in a hotel room two or three days a week and he travels with a laptop and he loves this feature, right? To be in a hotel room and be able to have a, you know, a big giant screen that you can pull out of your suitcase um, to him that that's almost like a good enough to buy it reason. Right. Um, But on my desktop Mac where I've got a giant 6k display, I found it kind of pointless. Like I don't, except for the fact when I want to bring a Mac into vision OS for something I'm doing, uh, like lately, as you may have heard, I've been using spark mail. They don't have an app for, um, vision OS yet. And they don't have one available for iPad, which makes me think they're probably working on something for vision OS and they don't want people using the iPad app. Um, but the, uh, so I could bring it in that way if I wanted, but I don't find it all that useful at my desktop Mac because I already have a big enough screen. Uh, but when I'm away from my desktop Mac with a laptop, I find it quite useful. I, th- I think that the traveling aspect of it, I think, will kind of play out to be the most important. I know Marquez Brownlee has spoken about in his videos and on his podcast about sometimes he's editing video on a plane back from an event. And one, it's weird to edit video of yourself on an airplane. Right? People are just like, what are you doing, yeah. man? But also sometimes yeah. he's working on things that are under embargo. And so maybe there are times he would like to be editing on a plane, but can't because he can't show footage of, you know, whatever secret thing he knows about. And he was saying this would be incredible. I could have my MacBook pro in front of me, you know, or like on my lap or on the tray table, but use vision pro use the, the, the Mac uh, connection to edit in final cut on Mac OS. So no one else can see what I'm doing and I can make it immersive and make the screen really big. You know, that is, super interesting and I, I think that's where it will become the most useful but i also thought about <laughs> i thought about this and then instantly realized why it was a dumb thought it's like oh this would be great for kids in college dorm rooms like they have a macbook air but they're living in a shoe box like they could just have yeah. a big screen and then i remembered oh it's 
$3,500. Like, I don't think many of these are going to be floating around dorm rooms anytime soon. But it it is a really cool feature. Not one that I'm going to use every day, I don't think at all. But I think it's fascinating that it's there. And I think it really does show that Apple intends this to be a, a, as general use computer as, as it can be. And unlocking Ma- the Mac OS ecosystem means you have basically the whole gamut of Apple's technologies on this platform. You got everything from like Apple script and finder all the way up through vision OS apps in one device. And it means this device can do everything you can do on an Apple product. And that's not true of any of their other hardware. And that is fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, but I, on the idea of a dorm room, I have another last member who spends a bunch of time in Tokyo and he has a small apartment there. And in Tokyo, a small apartment is, you know, like shipping container small. And he's like, I can't wait. You know, I can sit in there and watch a movie and I won't feel like I'm in a shoebox. And um, I, I, I think that there is a market for that. And I think it's only going to get bigger as these things get cheaper and lighter yes. and all that. But, but, you know, just kind of the case for it, I think the traveling business person, there's a good case for it right now to buy it because you bring your giant screen uh, movie theater, your max uh, big screen. You know, I feel like for people who are on the road a lot, I could see that. That being said, I can't imagine myself using this thing out of my house. I like I have for a variety of reasons. I've got a bunch of travel this year. That's not usual for me, but like I'm going to London for the relay thing. I'm not going to be on the airplane with this thing on my face. I just, for whatever reason, I find the idea of it not attractive at all. What about you? I feel the same way. Uh, I feel like in addition to the obvious things of that, it's expensive, kind of uncomfortable to use. Like, I really am conflicted about the social aspects of a product like this. And I think using it at a coffee shop or like a co-working space or something or an airplane, even, even though we already have, you know, people on like Mastodon and Reddit, other places have already used it on planes. And I've talked about that experience. I just don't know when the world will be ready for that. And I'm not sure I want to be at the forefront of it. Yeah, I'm not sure when I'll be ready for it. I mean, yeah. even like uh, the Casey Neistat video where he was riding a skateboard with it. And then at one point he's like sitting on a street in New York wearing it and all these people are walking around him looking at him. I don't want to be that unaware of my surroundings. And you think about the future of this because I love this tech. I love this idea. Sitting here working with it on, I can see a future where this becomes a big deal. And I know we'll probably talk about this more later, but I also do worry about a future where every person wearing innocuous glasses that have these features in them um, being disconnected from the world. I mean, right now people are walking in front of cars because they're wearing AirPods. What's it going to be like when they've got screens in front of their face, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but that, that's, a, that's another discussion. Before productivity, are they comfortable enough? I think for me, and this is such an objective thing, I think for short spurts, it's fine. But I do think the comfort is is the biggest problem with the hardware. Yeah, I mean, I to me, because like the longest I'm going to spend in a writing session is a couple hours. And they're comfortable enough for that. I, I don't think the comfort's really an issue for me. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, we talked about the input. I think the downside is the virtual input is slow. 
and using your eyes to dart around the UI can be tiring. Now, there are some accessibility things that can make some of that better for some people, but a physical keyboard, I think, is is good. Um, yeah, definitely. Another con for me on the productivity side, and I cannot believe I'm saying this in a, with about a product that's basically an infinite canvas, is window management. <laughs> it all comes back to window management at the end, David. It's always there. <laughs> it is so cool to be able to have your apps around you or like in my office when I'm wearing it, I have some widget Smith widgets of clocks. Cause like, you know, like in the movies, like you're, you see a newsroom and they have like the world clocks above the editor's window. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like Tokyo, yeah. San Francisco, New York, London, you know, like uh, I have friends who work in all around the world and I have basically on all of my devices ultimately just tell me what time it is where they are. And I can leave those up there and I just look up there and they're there. And they're there when I, you know, it's so the, the permanence of windows on one hand, but also the infinite placement on the other, I feel like it can be very fiddly to get things where you want them. And at least right now between reboots or coming in and out of it, those window setups aren't saved. Um, Now it knows where you left an app, right? Like you can come back to it and it's there. But if you hard have you have to hard power cycle, like you have to change the battery and you know not just use the the pass through power, um, or you restart for a software update. Like there are times where I do all this work and then it all gets torn down, and boy, that just makes me think about iPad OS. I don't have any. I don't even have a suggestion on how to fix that. Like that's a hard problem. I understand it, but I would like Apple to, and I'm sure they are, look at the other window management they've done on the Mac and on the iPad. And are there things they could a- adapt from those other platforms that would make sense here? So I'm not spending a bunch of time like fiddly switching between apps. Um, another thing I like them to add in this arena is command tab. I just naturally did it trying to move between messages and Safari and I couldn't do it because it, it, I understand like what order would it go in? Like, I don't know. You're smarter than me. Figure it out. Like, yeah. There should be more ways to do this with a keyboard because when we when we're talking about productivity, a lot of people who really uh, are trying to squeeze the most out of their devices use a lot of keyboard shortcuts, use a lot of window management tools, and right now those things just don't exist. And, and remember, it's it's a Vision Pro. It's not a Mac. First of all, I think yes. that's important. Don't don't lose track of that. Um, the uh, but yeah, there are some parts that are slower. But to me, the the contextual compute of the writing environment to me is very promising, and it's early. Uh, a couple standout productivity apps I would say that existed on day one. Um, uh, one is MindNode Next it's from MindNode. The people that brought MindNode they made a spatial computing version of it, which is very good, and it even has like kind of a brainstorming mode where you can just throw ideas out into space and then move them around which I thought was kind of useful. I think it needs to iterate some more, but I'm glad that they're doing and exploring with that. Uh, another one that really just knocked out of the park in my mind is Fantastical. Um, their Vision OS implementation is remarkably good. And it, like they got the look of Vision OS into the app. Like I feel like the transparency and stuff, if done right in a Vision OS app, really makes it stand out. But like I was the guy behind the scenes begging for a quarterly view mode. And now I can have a quarterly view mode that's as big as my wall or my monthly calendar. And I love that. In fact, 
the thing I've been doing with Fantastic Hal is I just put it on the ceiling. And when I'm doing, you know, fancy Max Sparky work and I want to check my calendar, I just look at the ceiling and it's there. I love it. It's my whole ceiling, you know, and you know, that, that is cool. And I, I think that there are already some standout apps. Obviously this is another platform from Apple. We'll be covering it more in future episodes. And, and I think the story is just beginning to be written. Like right now in the app store for vision notice, you can look at all the apps. If you just take like some time, you can look at everything available. And that is not the case for any other Apple app store. <laughs> and it won't be the case on this app store very soon. But but right now it's so early that there's just not that much much available. But th- mm-hmm. there's some good stuff out there. And and I do think the productivity, it, it's it's not as easy of a win as watching movies. But if you want to use it for productivity, you can. It's not a Mac. Remember that. And I think you need to be very um, you know, strategic about how you use it. Like I'm starting to see very clearly things in my life, like writing mode, like planning with the wall size whiteboard, things like that, that I could see where that's a thing that I just do on vision OS. You know, when I want to do that kind of work, I put on vision OS and I do it there and I treat it as an environment for that. Um, but it's not going to replace my whole system. I'm still waiting, um, you know, the task managers and all that stuff is still heading there. The, those apps haven't been released yet. Uh, although uh, Things has, Things has an app for it. I saw that, yeah. I think once all of my suite of apps gets there, I'll look at those to see how they could fit in that environment or whether there's something that I do on iPad or Mac. But I'm going to be very um, deliberate about it. We had some listener questions uh, from the forum from email uh, all sorts of places and so this is a, a bit of a hodgepodge of things we haven't gotten to touch on um we'll start with levi levi asked how do you unlock your vision pro does that process seem fast yeah you just look at it it has kind of a little eyeballish icon done in the apple way that they do a thumb a thumbprint icon you know yep. and um it there's a little animation and then you're you're good to go it takes seconds yeah, they call it Optic ID. Apple didn't really talk about this in detail. I found a support article up in the show notes. Basically, it uses their LED and infrared stuff to uh, recognize your iris and then unlocks. Uh, you do also have a pin code. And that, um, you know, it's just like face ID or touch ID. Like it falls back to the pin code at times. Apparently, currently, you have to have Apple support reset your passcode for you. If you forget it, uh, maybe that'll be fixed in an OS update, but don't forget your PIN code, I guess. And that that's what the little virtual keyboard's good for, is like passwords and stuff. Uh, one note on that is I use dictation a lot, and the only way I figured out to trigger dictation is to push the dictation button on the virtual keyboard. There should be like a voice command or some gesture or something you can do to trigger dictation because this is such a dictation heavy device i feel like that's something that needs work Mm -hmm. josh says does your vision pro get warm yeah it does there's a lot of computer in this in this small device you don't feel at least i don't feel it when i'm wearing it but like i said earlier when you take it off after a session or if it's been charging it it feels warm It, it does radiate heat um it has active cooling there's two fans um you can't hear them like, or at least I can't hear them. They, they seem silent. No, and we have an iFixit link in the show notes. Like, just go look at how this thing is made. It is a true wonder of engineering, it looks like. It's always a surprise to me because I don't feel that it's warm. It's not, it's not like it's hot inside the thing. Yeah. or 
anything, but I'll go to adjust it and like hold it. And you feel the hot air blowing at the top. You're like, wow, this thing is really cooking. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know it. Um, Adjusting it. No problem while you're wearing it. You know, it's all, all good. Uh, yeah, you're not, you're not, you know, it's not a hot potato and, and looking at the take yeah. apart, all the hot components are towards the front as far away from your eyeballs as possible, which is good. You don't, you don't want a case of the hot eyes, you know? Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> don't sweat inside it or anything like that. You, you may tear up if you watch Moana. That's you may cry. The only thing you have to be. Yeah. You may yeah. cry. Uh, Dusty said, I'm still unclear on the field of view. Do you have the same peripheral vision in and outside of the headset? Nope. It's, uh, it's more narrow inside the headset. And, uh, uh, I'm not a, a headset expert. Some people say, I think that the Oculus has a, a slightly wider uh, view, but I haven't got to the point that it feels narrow to me. I didn't even notice that it was more narrow until the third or fourth time that I wore it. Uh, I feel like at the beginning you're so overwhelmed at the immersiveness um, yeah. but it is slightly narrower. Like you, you do kind of lose uh, the very edges of your vision, the way they, they seem to do it. You know, there, there is a black border, but it's kind of a fuzzy black border. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like a, 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 like I'm looking through a box. It doesn't feel claustrophobic to me uh, in a way that like, I tried the very first, I don't even think it was, I don't even know what it was called. It was right, basically right after Facebook, bought um what at the time was like palmer lucky's vr company uh, now it's MetaQuest, like all that stuff but like the first version of that before they even announced their hand controllers so i got to use those before they were announced at on facebook's campus and that thing felt like like you're looking through you know like in the movies where like you're on a submarine like you're looking through the periscope and it's like the camera goes into the periscope and it's like a circle This is not that it it is not the same field of view you have in real life, but it's not, I don't consider it to be a huge problem. Um, It's so immersive and you can turn your head and it all follows you because all the tracking, like it doesn't bother me, but it is, it is not quite real life. The the other thing that's funny is um, like yesterday I was using it and you know how you get the sense somebody is looking at you or near you. Like that, I don't know what it is. You you smell or something, but your your brain's like, hey, there's somebody here. And I turned to my side, and my daughter's there taking pictures of me wearing it. Jackpot. I think she's sharing it sharing it with her friends probably to mock me. And um, and I I said, you know, I can see you. <laughs> and she's like, what? You know, it's like it's still weird for people outside to think that you can see through it. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah, that that's odd. But I would have if I didn't have them, I would have seen her. But she yeah. was just outside the peripheral vision of the device. Uh-huh. HPM writes, do you wear it outside? Uh, I, I did walk around my backyard the other evening. That's as brave as I've gotten. Like we said earlier, I don't view this as a computer I want to use in public. Um, it did make me think about something we haven't touched on, though, is the the computer and the camera is very clearly care about frame rate and sharpness more than anything else because they don't want you to get yeah. motion sick and yeah. in lower light the trade-off you get there if you're a photographer you'll know this the trade-off for speed is noise and so you do get some noise in the 
what you the pass through what you're seeing from the cameras the real life around you in lower light but it doesn't look bad and you forget about it basically the second after you think about it but i could walk around my backyard you know in the evening it was fine um but that's as brave as i've gotten i think the bravest i'll be for quite a while i haven't worn it outside yet because we've, we've had rain all week yeah don't do that i i, I don't really <laughs> see that i would ever do it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i mean like like i said there's a bunch of different uses for this device like wearing it on the plane doing productivity watching movies and i am really leaning into productivity in movies i just don't see myself using it out in public there's certain uses for it that i'm just not particularly interested in so so i, I don't really have the desire to but if hpm if you want to wear it outside and it's not raining i think you'd be fine just yeah. be careful you know um the um uh, Pascal wrote in from a developer point of view is in using the vision pro to write actual software. Do you see it painting a brighter picture than the iPad right now? And I would say, no, I feel like it's very similar to the iPad experience. Yep. Um, you can attach it to a Mac and write code with it. Like again, the hotel room with a small laptop, I think you could absolutely code with it. It wouldn't be a problem. Would you want this to be your everyday, all-day monitor? I know a lot of software developers work long hours. I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so either. But no, it is not. There, so the, the background of this question is some people consider a computing platform viable once you can use it to develop software for itself. The Mac couldn't do that at launch. You had to have a Lisa, of all things. Uh, the iPhone and iPad, other than Swift Playgrounds, like that is a little blurry. This is where that is. Um, so it is not uh, capable at this point, software-wise, to do that. Now, hardware-wise, it's got an M2 in it. Like it, it could do the math fast enough for software development. It's just that the the software that it runs itself, its operating system, is not suited for it. At least at this point, that's still where the Mac comes in. You know, to to, to develop for any of Apple's platforms, you need a Mac. Another question, what about exterior eyes or what they call eyesight? Eyesight. Yeah, so this is where the people around you can have a sense of if you can see them or not. So you mentioned a second ago your daughter came up beside you. If you made eye contact with her through it, your eyes would kind of fade through the mist on the outside of the Vision Pro. Actually, the outside screen does a lot of things. If you're taking a picture or video, it flashes white so people kind of know what's going on. A lot of ink has been spilled about this feature. It looks weird, I think, and not at all like as bright and clear as Apple's press images. Because one thing it's doing is it's going through this film. So anyone around you, if you're looking at them, they see your eyes. And to do that on a screen is weird. So they have this lenticular film, which cuts the brightness. I think the idea behind the feature is noble, where, hey, if you come in, and I'm wearing this thing, you want to know if I if you have my attention or not. But I think the execution is is a very 1.0 of that idea. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, when they first started it, I thought, well, that'll be the first thing to go, right? That'll be the thing that they remove because it'll make it lighter and it's easier. You probably make it cheaper if you don't have to put a second screen on the outside. But having used it a few days, I actually don't want them to abandon it. I think it's a, a great idea but the fact is, my daughter came in the other day. I looked at her. She couldn't see my eyes. Mm-hmm. And she was 10 feet away from me. And 
and it's just it's not there yet. I uh, I don't want them to throw this one overboard. I just want them to make it better because I think when you wear stuff like this, you should be able to communicate with other people, even just for the moment it takes to say, "Hey, I see you there." Uh, you doesn't mean you have to keep them on for a an important deep conversation with your wife, but but it does mean that if you she walks in the room and wants to know if you took the garbage out, you can look at her and she can see that you're paying attention to her. So yeah, I I, I think. I think this needs further work, but my opinion on it has changed. I'm in favor of it, I but I don't think version one is good enough. Uh, I, I thought it'd be fun to finish with some takeaways. You know, we've been talking about it now, and I apologize. This is a long episode, but I feel like it's a new platform. You had to kind of expect that from us. <laughs> it only comes around every so many years, you know? Yeah, every decade or two. And now that we've had, you and I have both had a possession, not a full week, but we've had it long enough now. Uh, it was a very open question to me when I went in, whether this was a thing I bought as an experiment and returned because it's a lot of money. Um, I could buy a new table saw with the uh, value of this thing. Uh, but I can tell you, I'm keeping it. I've decided. What about you? I am. Uh, I was unsure about it. And while I'm still not sure exactly where it fits in in my life, it is important for work, talking about these things, to understand this platform and to understand where this technology could lead. And it being in the Apple ecosystem makes that obviously much more important than Facebook or Meta to my type of coverage, right? Because I cover Apple as a large part of my living. And so... Is this something that I'm going to rush out and get version two of because I want the upgrade? Like, I don't know. We'll get there. Is it something that's going to radically change how I work day to day? Probably not, at least for now. But this is very clearly an important part of of where Apple sees things going. And that means it's important for us to be able to understand that and talk and write about it. Yeah. And, you know, the that's my job excuse is a good one, but I, I think I'm keeping it for more than that. I think I'm keeping it because I enjoy using it. Uh, the use cases that I've been talking about of, of watching movies, like a good example is Dune. You know, I'm a nerd. I grew up as a nerd in the 70s. So the Dune book was very influential on me as a kid. And every time they make a movie of it, it's terrible. When they made that movie a few years ago, I didn't even go see it because I'm like, it's just another bad Dune movie, I'm sure. And then I watched it like a year ago on my TV, and I was like, wow, that was really good. Mm-hmm. And now I want, I'm, I'm eager to go see the second one that's coming out in a few months. But I was just telling Daisy, I want to. I never saw the first one in a theater. I'm going to watch it in Vision Pro as a proper theater experience, and things like that to me are are cool. Um, and the productivity thing, I am very interested in the concept of contextual computing. And I think this device could really help me and uh, help me teach other people how to be better at contextual computing. So yeah. I find some uses for it that are very compelling that make me want to have it. I'll probably want to upgrade it. Um, uh, by the way, we weren't out of the store after Daisy had you know seen it. And she's like, well, when you get the next one, that one's mine. Mm-hmm. We literally were not out of the store when she said that. <laughs> um, but but uh, so I, I'm keeping it. It's not a shocker. But I, I did legitimately think about returning it in the first couple hours after using it because I'm like, okay, this is really great, but I'm not sure if I can actually be productive with it. And as soon as I started coming up with some workflows, then it, then it started clicking for me. But I, uh, I really dig it. 
Um, even if you're listening and you're not interested, as we said earlier in the show, get yourself to an Apple store and just see what's coming. Yeah. You, you got to experience it. And where it is today will change and evolve, right? Like even in the last couple of days, we've seen a bunch of apps come out. Mac Stories, of course, the, the folks over there are doing a great job of uh, putting a bunch of coverage together there. Um, apps from indie developers to big companies, stuff is stuff is happening. And the trajectory will probably be more like the iPad than the Mac, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting or useful. And clearly there are things that this can do that nothing else can do in Apple's lineup because of the immersiveness and the spatial 3D nature of it. And yeah, right now, a lot of the apps like have some of that that's interesting, but not necessarily useful or game-changing. It'll take some time. But I think when we check back in on this, you know, next time, I guess it's going to be a lot more software and a, a lot more things we can do with it from the productivity angle that just aren't here the first week. And like you said, it only comes along every 10 years or so. And so that is... Uh, it is a fun time to be an Apple nerd, even if you're not getting version one, right? Even if it's version five or six or something before you seriously consider it for yourself. Seeing what this company and the people who work there think about where things are going is just uh, an amazing hobby sometimes. Yeah, and I'll sound like a fanboy, but I've used the Oculus stuff and this is not that. Mm -hmm. This is something entirely different. And I think the the things that push it over into a spatial computing platform are the quality of the screens so it's not a toy and the um the user interface and all the apple bits that they add to making something usable and there's just never been anything like it so again i'll say go go check it out and i, I think our our plan for the show is you know it's going to come up in feedback episodes and whatnot we're going to continue being the mac power users but I think both Steve and I want a couple months to like build our workflows and we'll probably do another full show on it once we have more of that. And it'll be interesting to see how often we're using it in a couple months too. Uh, somebody wrote me, a, a, another lab member said, so now that you've gone through the, um, what did he say? Now that you've gone through the new and shiny and buyer's remorse, hmm. will you still use it? <laughs> you know, and I, that's a good question. And uh, in a couple of months, we're going to check in with you on that. But right now, having talked about it for two hours, I can't wait to get off this call and put it back on. So there you go. <laughs> okay, that wraps it up. You can join the conversation about the Vision Pro over at the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, NetSuite, and Indeed. And if you're in more Power Users, stick around. We're going to be talking about where Apple is going with spatial computing. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.